Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And happy Easter season, everybody. Here we are, the first uh, week of Easter. Um, hope everybody had a good Easter yesterday. I know. Whatever that looks like for you. Well, and the best news is, um, I, I don't know if you've seen this, David, actually, it's a brief aside, but um, Nadia Bolsweber, she puts out this post every single year, and it says, clergy and church workers, here's our yearly reminder. Jesus will rise from the dead, even if you forgot to print out the right hymns, <laughs> even if the lilies arrived already wilted, even if the whole choir gets food poisoning, nothing will keep the stone from rolling away. You are loved. And I think that that's such an important reminder, not just to church workers, but yes, we do need to hear it. Those of us that work in a congregation, because Mm -hmm. the details and getting everything right can feel overwhelming, Mm -hmm. especially just with the sheer number of services, right? Um, But that all of those things that we do to worship and to create space for people to worship um, don't impact the result of the day, right? right? (laughs) Jesus is risen either way. Yeah. And that's great for church workers, but I think it's also true for families, maybe some families that are listening right now and they're feeling the pressure of getting everybody to church, um, maybe running an egg hunt at their house. Did they get the same number of items for each of their three children or is someone's basket looking good and Mm -hmm. someone's basket (laughs) looking lousy? Um, (laughs) That has happened to me at 11 o'clock the (laughs) night before, clearly. Um, But all of those things, you know, are even though they can be the overwhelming things, they are not the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are going to be discussing the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, which is the first Sunday after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter for April 24th. Uh, This gospel is the same every single year. Yes, it is. A, B and C. Easter two is always Thomas. Thomas who we call Doubting Thomas, but I think that's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. We got to give him his credit. He's just a guy. Mm-hmm. He's just doing his best. Um, and so that means that we on the podcast have talked about it a lot. Yes. So you can go back and check us, see if we're saying the exact same thing this time as previous years. Um, but we're going to take another swing at it. Here we go. Talking about Doubting Thomas. But before we get into it, uh, we need to share our God sighting from this past week, and Charlotte has one. I do. So, Charlotte, would you please share where you saw or felt God's movement? Well, and it's timely because um, April is a month where we focus more on creation care and care for the earth, and my house only has a patio, so all of my growing things that I do are all in pots. And last year, the God sightings this year, but it starts last year. Last year, um, I had a milkweed plant volunteer in my garden. So a bird or a squirrel or somebody had dropped a seed into a pot and all of a sudden I had a milkweed plant. And milkweed is really cool because monarchs really like it. Butterflies in general, but particularly monarchs. Mm -hmm. And so last year I had the glory of six monarch caterpillars coming, eating the plant all the way down to the nubs Mm. um, and then spinning cocoons and hatching in my little tiny patio, right? And it was amazing. And so this last week I went to the garden center and I decided I wanted another milkweed, Mm -hmm. right? Like an additional to mine. And I also bought one as a gift for someone. And 
When I got there, there were two kinds of milkweed. One of them was labeled tropical milkweed and the other was native milkweed. And I looked at them and I was like, oh, I have the tropical one. And so I asked the garden person to come over and I said, what is the difference? Is there one that's better, you know, for the butterflies? Because now I want more. And she said that the tropical milkweed, which again is the one I had growing at my house, um, because it's not native to here, that if it isn't cut all the way down twice a year, that it can breed a bacteria that's actually harmful to the butterflies. And it can spread across, like across, I don't know what you call a group of butterflies, but it can spread across them. And so I said, well, then why do you carry both? Right. And she said, well, because people like it. And if you care for it correctly, it's fine. And I said, okay. So I bought the native and got home. And I was thinking about that, um, about what that conscientious choice looks like to care for God's creation. And for me, I felt God moving in like the wrestling Mm -hmm. with that because I knew that the plant I had um, was successful last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 90% 90% sure I cut it all the way back at the end of the season. I I mean, we talked about Tim's dad a couple of yeah. episodes ago. I tend to be a good pruner. Yeah. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. And so then the worry about like, what is it that we need to do? And I know that there's sometimes a lot of language around like, we make everything so difficult where everything's always got to change, you know, like all of these things. And yet I feel God moving in the wrestling with always trying to do the next right thing, Um, whether it be in what we're planting in our gardens or how we're interacting with other people or any of those things, that God's presence is with us in those moments where it feels annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You just want the next thing to be easy. Yes. Yeah. Or I want my plant that's in my garden to be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't want to have to think about it. Mm -hmm. I just looked it up, by the way. A collection of butterflies is called a kaleidoscope. <gasps> Look at it. Oh, David, that's wonderful. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I love it. Never would have guessed that. So hopefully, hey, if you see any kaleidoscopes of butterflies, yes. let us know. Send mm-hmm. us a picture. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Charlotte, for sharing that. I'm, I'm down with that annoying wrestling <laughs> with what to do next. Um, and we would always love to hear from you all. Uh, and share any of your if you if you email us or uh, contact us through our website um, you can contact us on Instagram or tag us on Instagram you can also leave us a voicemail or or send us a text message uh, through a phone number uh, we'd always love to hear from you and and where you saw or felt God uh, any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection we'd love to share any of those on the podcast if you take the, the time to send them um, and you can find all those ways to get in contact with us in the description of this podcast. So if you just scroll down, you'll see links to, to, the, to the email address, to the website, the phone number. Everything's on there for you to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. So now we are going to transition and move into our discussion of the gospel. Uh, as it's just Charlotte and I today, we're each going to have a point. So we'll have two points for this gospel. But before we get to those... Charlotte's going to read it, and then I will just set up a little bit of uh, context. The gospel for this Sunday, as it always is, every, sun, every, every year, the, the Sunday after Easter, 
is John twenty nineteen to 31. And today we're reading from the Common English Bible. That's right. Usually we read from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. And today we're reading from the Common English Bible. And we'll tell you why after. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, <laughs> the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Until I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. All right. Thank you, Charlotte. So uh, last week we talked about the resurrection story from Luke's gospel because this is Luke's year. But we also mentioned that if you went to church, you might uh, hear the story from John's gospel, which is the first 18 verses of John chapter 20. So this is verse 19. Those first 18 verses are Mary going to the tomb, finding it empty, running back, Peter and the beloved disciple running to find it also empty, Mary in the garden, Jesus appearing to Mary. She thinks he's a gardener. He says, Mary, it's, she says, he says her name. She recognizes him and she goes back and tells the disciples. And now this is the very next thing that happens. So that's where we are. It's just the very next story after the resurrection. And I think in the story it says that it was still the first day of the week. That's the that's where the story starts. So it's still Sunday, but it's Sunday night. So this is just Easter evening. But then the story spans an entire week because it says then it's that Jesus appears and then after eight days his disciples were again in a house and Thomas was with them. So then it's not until the next Sunday, maybe Monday. Uh, that Jesus appears to them. So we read this. Technically, it's happening on this this whole this week that we're in right now. You know, like in terms of the timeline, it, we have this whole week where Thomas is with the disciples, uh, and then Jesus appears again. So that's where we are. Uh, there's only there is another. There's still more to the gospel after this because then, well, we'll talk about this next week. Is the the reading for next week is the next story another Jesus appearance. And that's where we are. And as we mentioned before, we usually read from the New Revised Standard Version. That's the 
that's the translation of the Bible that is uh, approved for liturgical use by the Episcopal Church, and it's the one that we use. It's the one that I personally like the mm-hmm. most. Um, but this week we read from the Common English Bible. The Common English Bible is a more recent translation, and like its name, is uh, trying to make things in kind of more colloquial terms. And so one of the ways that they've done that is, if you you may have not have noticed, but one of the things, one of the important things topics of discussion in recent years and it has been for a long time is the use of the term the jews especially in john's gospel in the first century when these gospels were being written there was real strife between the jewish people and the people that were following jesus so john's gospel has kind of the the most anti-jewish feeling to it because there was a lot of strife between the christians and the jewish people at this time they were still breaking away from one another and so we, what that has led to is a lot of anti-Semitism historically mm-hmm. and based in scripture, which is, which is a troubling part of it because it's so foundational to Christianity. And so it gives people permission to be anti-Semitic, even though not in reality it does, but that's right. what people have used as an excuse. And so we're trying to use different language because when we say, because really it says in the New Revised Standard Version translation that they were hiding in the upper room for fear of the Jews. And the reason that we're changing that the reason that we read the common English Bible is because it talks about they were in the upper room out of fear of the Jewish authorities, right? Which is more accurate to what's happening because they weren't afraid of all the Jews, Mm -hmm. all the Jewish people were not out to get them. Jesus was a Jewish person. These people were Jewish. Right. Like, and so to say that it's that the problem was the Jews is not even accurate historically. Jesus came to push back against the Jewish authorities who had tied their destinies to kind of like the Roman government, mm-hmm. you know, who were kind of functioning uh, in a kind of pro-Roman way. And An so oppressive was, way. Yeah. And so he was pushing back against that kind of corruption within his religious tradition, but not against the tradition itself. Right. Okay. Well, and I think that one of the things you said that was so important is that Jesus was Jewish. Mm-hmm. The disciples were Jewish. Like, so naming the naming the Jews as a problem um, causes harm, mm-hmm. um, and it others a group of people to which Jesus belonged. Um, right, like that that is who he was. That was his childhood. That was his growing up. Mm-hmm. That was that all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so, none of it is perfect. And yet choosing a different translation to read today and naming it as they were afraid of the authorities instead of a group of people is one way Mm -hmm. in which we can try to do a little better. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's just it's trying to be more clear about about what was actually going on because it wasn't the entire Jewish religion. It was just these particular people who had been corrupted by, you know, their position within the within their within their religious tradition and the ways that they had, they were tied to the Roman government and that's what Jesus came to push back against to push back against the practices that were oppressing the Jewish people so he was there to help the Jewish people mm-hmm. you know as a Jewish person he died a Jewish person mm-hmm. he was resurrected a Jewish person mm-hmm. you know so um, anyway it's it's been a tragic reality of history that that Christians have oppressed Jewish people and been anti-semitic because of you know starting with this kind of language in John's gospel and so we're trying to push back against that try to be more historically accurate in the translation and so anyway that's why we chose to read the common english bible 
and something to pay attention to in our own language that we use because language is important. Mm -hmm. And as we can see here, language has led to real tragedy and oppression and death. Mm -hmm. So having said that, we're going to move into our points for this week. And Charlotte has the first point. Well, and I think that intentionally or not, you're referencing the tragedy, the trauma and the death um, leads directly into my point because what I've been thinking about today as I was looking at this scripture was the process of grieving Um, and what it looks like to grieve is different for all of us. And not only does it look different for all of us, but we all progress through it at a different speed. And so speaking of problematic nicknames, um, Thomas has one. Mm -hmm. Thomas's problematic nickname is that he is doubting Thomas. Um, I might say that perhaps he's stuck Thomas. I think that that feels more accurate to me that um, he is at a place in his grief journey where he is stuck and not able to progress to the next piece. And some of that is overwhelm. Some of that is that grief is just so mind numbingly all encompassing that it's very hard to like think of anything else when you are truly in a state of grief. And this loss was immeasurable to them. This was their entire world. They had spent three years following Jesus, the Messiah around the country, watching him heal people, watching him teach people, um, watching him be in relationship with all walks of people and include everyone. And then he was broken. He died on a cross, an extremely violent death and a traumatic experience for everyone who loved him to watch this person who had embodied love and equity and justice and all of these things in their lives die that way is a level of grief that perhaps I have never experienced. And I've had loss in my life. And so to take that kind of trauma, that shared trauma that they've all lived to, and then to expect that every single person that's there is going to respond to it in the same way seems impossible to me. Um, That all 12 of those disciples probably came out of it it, with the exact same progress seems inconceivable. And so part of me wonders if Thomas's experience partially is just that he wasn't ready. Um, that he was in this stuck place in his grief um, where everything was still swirling around him and he was processing it and that it took the reality of the risen Christ in front of him, of the wounds and being able to lay his hands on it to, to move him from this stuck place into the next place. And really the language that we get from Thomas in this at the end where we hear Thomas say, my Lord and my God, To me, that almost sounds like the shades being pulled away, right? Like that all of a sudden the light is streaming in again, that you have been sitting in this darkness and this overwhelm of grief Um, and not like a, not referencing back to my butterflies, like a cocoon where you're being nurtured and cared for. This is like a cave, a dark, dark cave where you are just so sad and so overwhelmed and stuck. And then all of a sudden the the stone is rolled away. Mm -hmm. And you had to see the risen Lord in order for the stone to be rolled away from you. Mm-hmm. And there's something really humbling for that about that for me, because 
sometimes I'm ready to move forward on my own and sometimes I desperately need help to move forward Mm -hmm. in my life. And there is an opportunity to connect to Thomas in a new way in this and to see his grief journey as a way to maybe open our eyes to how other people that are walking at our sides are going through grief. And let's be honest, which which one of us is not grieving at this point? Over the last two and a half years, everybody has experienced loss. Maybe it is the loss of relationships. Maybe it's the loss of employment. Um, maybe it is someone that you know who has died, whether that's from COVID or from something else. But we have been living through a collective trauma and we're not all going to come out of it at the same pace and in the same way. Um, We are a changed people. And I think that that opportunity to see Thomas that way um, as someone who was progressing through grief in perhaps a different way than the other disciples that experienced Jesus the week before can be comforting. Yeah, and that really that goes right into my point because I <clears throat> I'm thinking about the way that Jesus like the example that Jesus gives us for how to be how to exist and engage inside of that collective trauma. And I'm so and grieving. And I'm so amazed by the just the power of Jesus's body, his resurrected body, and just the fact there's so there's so much to the fact that Jesus' resurrected body still has wounds. Because we have this I think we have, like I think there is a narrative that um that the resurrection makes everything new, right? Or that the resurrection heals everything or that everything is like better. But Jesus' wounds are not better. They're they're not stitched up, they're not scarred. They're not completely gone. They're still there, completely open, like open enough for Thomas to stick his hands in. And this is a week later that Thomas is sticking his hands in there, which makes me think that Jesus's wounds never heal. Mm. And so I think that we have like, there is, there's something in the narrative of, of woundedness, of like, of being hurt, of being traumatized, like, that Jesus has undergone this ultimate trauma on his body, right? And they have undergone this collective trauma of witnessing it. And Jesus, Jesus's body witnesses to the, to the fact and kind of pushes back against this idea of like progress in healing that like, I am healed when you, when you don't know that I was ever wounded. Like I am completely healed when I've like progressed to the point where my, my wounds are scarred over and now that skin is tougher and I'm better for it. Like I am more, I'm like better than I was before, you know? And instead Jesus is like, Jesus is, is inviting us to wonder what it would be like to, instead of feeling like our prog, our like movement through grief is to be able to get to a point where you can't tell that we've ever been hurt to actually like having those wounds transform, like for us to be transformed in that we're able to keep the wounds open so that they are sources of healing for other people. Yeah. Cause when you've gone through some painful experience, when someone's died or 
you've been injured or you've had like in some sort of near death thing happen or some traumatic experience to have someone come to you and say, Hey, guess what? This happened to me, but also don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better. You're going to be, I'm better because of this thing that happened. I almost feel like that's not as helpful as someone coming and saying, this happened to me too. And I still, it still hurts mm-hmm. and I'm still here, mm-hmm. you know? And like, there, that is a level of vulnerability that's that's different than just revealing that the thing happened and now you're better because of it. Right. You know, and like, yeah, I just, I I love that idea. And I think like my, my when my parents died, I think I had, I think I carried around a long time this, this idea that like the, the feeling of grief or the sadness like goes away and the wound is healed. Mm. But I don't, I just don't think that that's ever true. Nope. Like the wounds just remains open forever. And my, and the thing that changes is my capacity to be with it, mm. to engage with it and to live my life out of it rather than in spite of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, I think what I'm saying yeah. is like, how can we do that? That thing? Mm-hmm. What are the, what are the ways that we, what are the things that we do? What are the practices? What are the people, who are the people that we engage in conversation to help us, integrate the wound into our life rather than heal it because i don't think healing it is really the answer so anyway that's our two points for today yeah heavy one today yeah well it's crazy gospel so yeah all right so our two points uh number one was charlotte's and it was about the way that everyone is grieving in, in different ways at different paces you know, and that this is a great example of how a community can hold one another's differences in the midst of that grieving and how they're grieving differently and, and needing different things in in grief. And number two is like unto it, thinking about Jesus's wounds uh, and the way that our wounds can, that we can bring our wounds with us, engage our wounds differently than the needing to heal them or uh, having them covered up or pretend like they didn't ever happen instead jesus shows us that really it's about being able to carry them with us to show them to other people and and to be able to engage with them uh, rather than turn away from them so having heard those two points we'd love to hear from you what would your third point have been if you'd been a guest on the podcast this week Uh, did you have any uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection do you have any god sightings this week we'd love to hear from you you can email us you can uh, text us or call us you can get and contact us through with us through the website where you can also find all those faith to go resources every week for personal family or group discussion. And you can also uh, tag us or follow us on Instagram and you can find all those ways to get in touch with us listed in the description of this podcast. And we will be back next week for the third Sunday of Easter uh, to talk about the next story from John. Uh, this is Sunday, May 1st. So, until then, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.